Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. I hate these guys. I don't know why you don't, and I'll be in the car. This is the Press Box. Makeup stuff. Tyler Bischoff. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications. Adam Candy. I can't hate him. He is so transparent in his self-interest that I kind of respect him. Would I buy a car from him? No. On ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Candy is in once again for Ed Grady. We're going to talk to Sam Gordon a little bit later in the show. Also, Charles McDonald and Cynthia Freeland. But we start with the Las Vegas Raiders. The first bite. Oh, good. Thank you, phone. Are the Raiders trendsetters? So the Raiders are going to require fans to get vaccinated, to attend games at Allegiant Stadium. Proof of vaccine is required, and you will not have to wear a mask inside the stadium. They will allow for people. They're going to have vaccination uh, stations set up where you can get vaccinated at the game. You get your first shot, you still have to wear a mask in, but then once you get your second shot, you'd be fine to go in without a mask. Uh, This is in response to yesterday, Steve Sisolak. Uh, The governor basically said large venues with crowds have two options. Either A, it's got to be a fully masked event. You got to have everybody in the crowd masked or B, everybody's got to be vaccinated. And then the masks are optional. Mark Davis and the Raiders elected to go with B. They are saying everybody's got to get vaccinated and nobody will have to wear masks except for those that just got the shot or kids under 12 can still get in, but we'll have to wear a mask uh, because kids under 12 can't get vaccinated right now. So, they're the first to do it in the NFL. They're the first to do it in Vegas. Is is this about to be the norm across sports in this country? When we have something like this, someone always has to be the person, the organization mm. to dive in first. And the Raiders have taken on the first into the breach mantle. And I couldn't be happier for the decision that they made because ultimately Mark Davis decided that He's going to put all his fans on equal footing. He did the same thing last year, right? Like he did the same thing by saying, when we were at reduced capacity, I'm not opening the stadium at 50% capacity and picking and choosing which fans get to go to the game. We're basically going to do this all or nothing, and we'll all come in next year. Well, he's true to his word. We're all coming in this year, and these are the rules. And the rules are you get your vaccination, and you can come into the stadium. And it's smart public health. It's smart business. And frankly, if you're going to take $750 million in taxpayer money, then you should probably have some obligation to protect the taxpayers. Right. The idea that it's smart public health and it's smart business, the worst possible thing you could have right now as a sports organization is, hey, we had a full crowd, we had a full event, and somehow they could trace back, oh, COVID spread like crazy through that event because they didn't enforce the mass policy. Back at the beginning of this, well, there was a massive story on one of the biggest spreader, super spreader events in northern Italy was a soccer game where it was at the very beginning of this. We didn't really know what was going on. Huge soccer game. And that was a big reason why it spread throughout northern Italy so quickly. If you're the Raiders or any other sports teams, you, you don't want that. Like, that's the worst, like, headline you can have right now. That's worse than anything that's going to happen on the field with your team winning or losing and doing this. 
is a way to help prevent that is probably the best step you can take as an organization, I guess, besides not having fans at all, which nobody's going to do at this point, but it's the best step you can take. And so for the Raiders, it's exactly what they should be doing. It's what the Golden Knights should do very shortly, I would assume. It's what UNLV should do. It's what the Lights should do. It's what the Aces should do. It's what the Aviators should do. And honestly, it's probably what every NFL team and every other sports team in this country should be doing is a way to, hey, prove that you're vaccinated and you can come in. And at the end of the day, it's not that much different from what all of these leagues, all of these stadiums require you to do to go into a game already. You're already having to go through security. You can't even take a seat cover, like a seat cushion into Allegiant Stadium right now. Like there's plenty of rules that they make you follow just to go to these sporting events. This isn't that much different. The idea of it being a bad headline and you just have to play that out a little bit, right? Like play out the headline all the way to, well, now we now none of us get to go, right? Like if the government officials can see that there was a super spreader event at a, a professional or a collegiate sports game, that's it. We're all done again. Even though the virus situation might not be as bad as it was because we have vaccines and we have 169 million Americans who have been vaccinated up to this point, but yet it's still going to cause another round of lockdowns. And that's not just smart business when it comes to you know, the league and being able to put its product out there. But think about it this way. We have the choice to go to the game. Every one of us who is either a ticket holder, a media member to some degree, have a choice to go to this game. There are going to be thousands of people on a game day working at Allegiant Stadium. There are going to be security people. There are going to be people working the concession stands. There are going to be people scanning tickets. All of those people are going to work. They don't have a choice. They have no choice whatsoever but to go to work, make money for their family. And if it weren't a situation where everyone is required to be vaccinated, then it also puts them at risk. It puts their families at risk. And beyond that, look at what's going on in Las Vegas in general. MGM Resorts just announced yesterday that all of its salaried employees are going to have to be vaccinated and all new hires are going to have to be vaccinated. That's maybe the most powerful employer in all of Nevada saying from now on, everyone has to be vaccinated. Look, we had a chance to do this with the carrot, with the free giveaways and what would it take for you to get a vaccine? And here's the hundred dollar prize and here's the million dollar prize. Well, it hasn't been enough. It hasn't gotten the job done. And now some places are switching from the carrot to the stick and Get used to it. So I uh, am fully aware that I live in a Twitter bubble and that Twitter is not the best representative of real life, even though sometimes I let myself think that. A uh, lot of people mad on Twitter about the Raiders doing this. Will there be a substantial enough backlash that, like, the Raiders don't have a sellout? Like, are there enough people that are mad enough or that aren't going to get vaccinated that the Raiders actually have some sort of dip in attendance for any of their games? I don't think so, Tyler, because I think what's going to happen is that this is just going to be the first of a trend. As you said, I think other organizations are going to choose to do this. I think if there's going to be an issue, it's not going to be caused by people from Las Vegas. It's going to be caused by if this becomes something that national media hooks onto. If the national movement against vaccines, if the national movement of I, I use this in the worst of air quotes, freedom of choice when it comes to vaccines. If that all becomes a issue here, 
that is going to be represented nationally, then yeah, maybe you end up with protests and maybe you end up with a movement to say, well, if you don't believe in this, don't go to the game and don't sell your ticket and show that as your protest. Um, that would definitely be a rubber meets the road moment, wouldn't it? That'd because be a, be because think about it. If you, yeah, you, you pay $500 a ticket or you, you know, in some cases a lot more. Imagine if someone said to you, well, your choice is you can get vaccinated and go to the game, but you don't want to get a vaccine. Or you can you can not go to the game and show your solidarity. No, you're going to sell your ticket. <laughs> you're absolutely going to sell your ticket, make some money, claim that, you know, you never went, you never sold it. And then someone who's willing to get the vaccine is going to go to the game. Like you're you're definitely in the minority if you're not willing to go along with this. Yeah. And I think the idea of like this becoming like a national uh, protest or national issue, I I don't think that'll happen because I, I think other teams are going to do this. Like, I think we're going to see other NFL teams say, you know what? The rate that that's either they were already thinking about doing it and trying to figure out the right way to say it so that everybody wouldn't get mad. And oh, hey, the Raiders did it so we can just pile on. I think there will be more teams that do this. I think it'll be more common than not that you have to be able to prove your vaccination status to get into stadiums and sporting events. And therefore, it's going to be it's not just going to be the Raiders. Like right now, it's just the Raiders. So but in a week from now, by the time the season gets here, I doubt it'll be just the Raiders that are doing this. Well, and think about this also. Some places are going to do it as vaccine or negative COVID tests within 48 or 72 hours. That's a lot harder to police because this is all going to be done through the Clear app. And you're going to have to prove your vaccination status through that app at the stadium, whether it's your first dose, your second dose, whatever the case might be. Uh, the other thing that Mark Davis did by doing this was he decided not to make his organization and his employees the mask police. And that, to me, is one of the most humane things he could have done, because trying to police who is and who isn't wearing a mask inside a sporting event. I think, Tyler, you probably saw going to the Gold Cup final that it's almost impossible when you're telling people you have to be masked. Do you think that that security guard, I don't even want to say security guard, basically ushers walking up and down with signs saying, please put your mask on. They're not getting into it with someone who's a, a drunk fan of a football game. No way. Like, and no one's going to, no one is going to want to be the person who killed the joy by being the mask police. So why not just take the question away entirely? Right. And I, and that's, I think a big part of why Mark Davis decided this because like I, so when I was at the gold cup final, there were probably less masks being worn than American fans. Like it was non-existent. The people wearing masks and, when I was there, we didn't even have the people going up and down the aisles with the signs saying, you know, put your mask on. Like, that that didn't even exist. Like, there was zero enforcement of, hey, put your mask on. It was like you had to wear it to get through security. And then after that, it was a free-for-all. But at the end of the day, if you're going to go the route of, hey, everybody has to wear a mask, right? If you're, if you're taking the option from Steve Sisolak of you can – not everybody has to be vaccinated, but everybody has to wear a mask. You have to kick people out. You have to kick people out for not wearing a mask. That's the only way you're actually going to be able to enforce that. And like you said – that would be an absolute nightmare to be try at trying to kick people out of a Raiders game of pretty much any sporting event for not wearing a mask would be a disaster. Like, I mean, and, and like you said, a humane thing to do to the Raiders or to the people that work for the Raiders or Legion Stadium is just not make them do that. Just not even have that as a part of the job criteria. And it is like it's a it's a good thing to do. I have one final question for you on this. This is for the fans in the stadium. Everybody in that stadium is going to be vaccinated with the exception of like kids under 12. 
and some of the players, because we know <laughs> Jalen Richard has been anti-vax from b- before the pandemic. He was anti-vax about like polio or whatever from before the pandemic is like, that's going to be weird, right? Like you're going to have a handful of players on this team and, and other teams that come in. Like I'd, I'd be curious how that changes here when everybody's vaccinated, except three or four players on each team that are playing. 90% of NFL players are vaccinated right now. I mean, I don't know that there's any level of peer pressure that is going to get the Jalen Richards and Kirk Cousins of the world to come along with this at this point. Doctors. Good on the Atlanta Falcons, by the way. Good on the Atlanta Falcons, by the way, because yeah. they are now 100% vaccinated. And I think if other coaches, if the guys like Ron Rivera who are mad at their anti-vax people – if they can point to other teams that have done this, maybe we finally get to what you and I have been yelling about for a long time. It's a competitive advantage. This is a, an advantage for any team that can ensure that all of its players will be available every week because no one is going to be the one who is bringing COVID into the clubhouse. So if you can have all of your players every week, that's an advantage, and that's one coaches will probably try to use. All right, coming up next, we'll stick with the NFL because Aaron Rodgers apparently thought 2020 was going to be his last season in Green Bay. Jordan's not going to go today. He is feeling a lot better, but you know we're going to be we're going to be smart by it. We'll just see how you know the week goes and how he recovers. And but he is feeling significantly better than he did on game day. Yeah, Jordan loves hurt. Aaron Rodgers probably won't play, so who knows who the Packers are trotting out a quarterback in a preseason game? But make Case some- Cookers. No, guess they sign him yet? They should be great. But Aaron Rodgers uh, had a story from Peter King at NBC Sports uh, about Aaron Rodgers. And one of the things he said was, last year at this time, I was looking at the season as my last in Green Bay. Uh, Peter King wrote, Rodgers wanted out. The Packers held firm. Rodgers didn't want to retire. Strip away everything about the terms of engagement going forward. And it comes down to this. In 2022, He will either agree to stay in Green Bay and perhaps sign an extension or request a trade, likely with some say about his landing spot. The Packers, I am told, will not release him in 2022. So here's what I'm a little bit confused about. Aaron Rodgers, like, was a no-show, was making it very clear without really saying anything that he was not happy with what was going on in Green Bay. And we had an entire offseason of talking about what was going to happen Would the Packers trade him? Would he actually retire? But he's back in Green Bay. But when he came back to Green Bay, he apparently talked to the Packers and there was some sort of agreement that this could be his last year, that that, that he would have a way out after this season. But apparently he doesn't like apparently it's we're, we're going to get to the end of this season and we're going to be in the same exact situation. So what what exactly did Aaron Rodgers gain over the last seven months? You've been obsessed with the idea of what did he gain ever since this ended, and I'm not really sure why. Like, he had to ultimately play the game this way if he wanted to even have a chance of accomplishing what he wanted. So let me ask you this. What did he lose? Well, if he doesn't want to play in Green Bay, he's playing another year in Green Bay. And according to this story, he thought last year was his year in Green Bay. So he lost a year of his life. No, he didn't. In Green Bay, he did. He, what are you talking about? He yeah. lost a year of his life. Jesus, that might be the stupidest thing you've ever said about something. Like, he lost a year of his life. He's going to come back and still make millions of dollars to play football. He didn't have to if he didn't want to. 
Right. But he's got to do it in Green How Bay. How did he lose he a year thing? of his life? Seriously. Because he's doing it in Green Bay. That, yeah. I he mean, wanted dude, to, I know you wanted, never back off one, but that this would be the one. He wanted to do it in San Francisco or Denver or wherever else we think is on the West Coast. Like, he thought, he, according to this, he thought last year was his last year in Green Bay. So what did he lose? He's having to play another year in Green Bay. He lost a year where he didn't have to be playing in Green he Bay. He didn't lose a year of anything. That's ridiculous. He's making the money that he still would have made. He's making the same salary that he still would have made. And if he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't have to. So if you want to make that out to be what did he lose, then what did he gain? Well, he gained another year of playing professional football for multi-millions of dollars. And maybe he gets to call his shot after that. But he didn't lose any more than he gained. Well, if he doesn't want to be in Green Bay, he certainly lost something because he's still in Green Bay. No, he didn't lose anything because there's nothing to actually lose. He, he decided to try to play the game the best way that any player can choose to try to play the game at this point because the CBA is stacked against the players to try to have any sort of leverage or power. So... Look, Aaron Rodgers went about it the best way he possibly could. He didn't have another choice. He could try to push the Green Bay organization any way that he wants to push them. But he was up against it right from the beginning of this. So did he did he lose a power struggle with Green Bay? Yeah, he lost a power struggle where he had very little power in the first place. Did Aaron Rodgers himself lose anything from his life? No, not at all. Well, so here's here's the situation that the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are in. We're about to do the same thing next year, aren't we? Like, if Aaron Rodgers has another MVP-level season, what's different next offseason? You're right. There might not be anything different next offseason. Um, there, there is, at least now, there is some level of public perception that the Green Bay organization has made some sort of a wink-wink handshake deal with him. And the other part of that is they can't say that. Like th That would absolutely be uh, a problem for the Green Bay organization because they would then have zero trade leverage when it comes to getting anything back for Aaron Rodgers. If the if the feeling were known publicly, yeah, we have to trade Aaron Rodgers next offseason, then there's just no way that Aaron Rodgers would ever get traded because Green Bay couldn't get anything back for him. Well, I think we all can agree that he lost out on Jeopardy. That was a great set of choices, by the way. Really, the the uh, the, uh, the 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 proven the proven uh, sexual harasser and the leading anti-vax former TV sitcom star. So, with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, TV's smartest show. I think what we're looking at is Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers in 2022 again. Like I, I just if you're the Green Bay Packers, why would you do anything different? I mean, it, if he's bad, I guess you say, okay, we're moving on from him. But like. Again, if he has another season, I just he's going to be with the Packers again next year, and we're going to have the same offseason again where Aaron Rodgers is unhappy but it doesn't have any power, like you were saying, in this whole scenario, and he's got to either play for the Packers or not play for anybody. And I just, I just don't get what we did this entire offseason for. Like, are we, like, like Aaron Rodgers did all that for seven months because he might have a say in what happens after this season? Like, I don't know. I, I don't, what did he do? He didn't what did do anything he do for the he, past seven months. He was gone. He didn't talk to the Packers. He didn't show up to their okay. to their mini and? camp. Yeah, I mean, he and, oh, oh, he's the oh that that does very little to separate him from any player who's ever tried to hold out for a new contract or something else that they wanted in the past. Right, and players that hold out 
tend to get things. Khalil Mack got traded. He held out and he got traded. What did Aaron Rodgers get? Nothing. He's still playing for the Green Bay Packers when he thought he was done with the Packers after 2020. If we want to get into a deep dive on the incentives in the CBA in terms of what a player actually can do to get themselves moved, then we can. I don't think that's really great radio, but John Gruden decided that he didn't want to deal with Khalil Mack. That was it. Like John Gruden decided that he wasn't going to lose the first power struggle that he ever had inside the Raiders organization, and he traded Khalil Mack. So I don't know that we're talking apples to apples here. Well, no, we're, I mean, no situation is apples to apples. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers didn't get anything out of his holdout when often. Players yeah, he also did things. Yeah, he also didn't lose anything. So, you know, we're kind of right back at the beginning of this. I know. I know. But he's playing in Green Bay again when he thought he wasn't playing in Green Bay. And I'm, I feel confident saying Aaron Rodgers offseason goal was to not be playing in Green Bay again. OK, well, I mean, and he sure. did, and he did not succeed in that goal. He had very little chance of succeeding in that goal in the first place. Yeah, and he's st- and he's still going to be playing in Green Bay next year because he's in the same situation again. Like, there's we nothing that n- happened here. We have no idea if that's the case. We have no idea if that's the case. Uh, th- th- trying to predict that a-, a year out makes no sense at all because there are so many things that could happen or change between now and then. Right, but it's not. It, Aaron Rodgers has nothing to say about it. There's nothing that he can do that changes where he plays in 2022 other, yeah, than, I mean, re- we, other than retire. Well, sure, we can talk about the differences between players in any sport and how much power they have. I mean, this isn't the NBA, right? The NBA is a, a clearly become a player empowerment league where any player can force any situation the way that they want it to go. The NFL has been stacked against that right from the start. All right, coming up next, Sam Gordon joins us from the Review Journal. For sure, yeah. Um, kind of part of the game, you know, just uh, kind of got hit, didn't feel the pressure. Um you know, I thought we had somebody open, and, and I need to do a better job of just trying to feel the pressure, get it out uh, to whoever, and, and avoid, yeah, obviously catastrophic plays like that. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. Sam, how are you? You out at Raiders practice yet? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm out here. Uh, so, you know, it's an early morning, but, but we, we're here, we made it, and uh Teams get loosened up with some special team stuff here indoors before they head outside. All right, they've let you in. Because one time we talked to Ed from out there, and he was still stuck in a parking lot and couldn't figure out a way in. So as long as you're inside, that's good. I've had had those complications before, (laughs) but thankfully uh, we worked around them today. Uh, Sam, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on uh, the Raiders announcement last night that fans will have to be vaccinated, prove they're vaccinated, to get into games at Allegiant Stadium this year? Yeah, you know, you got the sense that this kind of thing was coming just based on where everything was heading, um, you know, not only in the country, but obviously here in Las Vegas. And from the Raiders' perspective, I think it's understandable, right? Their job is they want to, you know, they, they want to provide the best possible entertainment, you know, viewing experience for the fans that, that come to the games um, as possible. And part of that is, you know, understandably so, not having masks. And what's the, the most effective way to enforce that or to do that? It is to check uh, if, if make sure everybody's vaccinated and, and to put that in place. And, you know, of course, there's going to be some pushback. I think we already saw that, you know, social media, different different outlets, um, different avenues to, for, you know, for fans to voice their displeasure. But at, at the end of the day, um, people that want to be in the building, uh, and I think there's a lot of those people in town that want to be at Allegiant Stadium this year, are going to, I think they're going to ultimately comply because it's the first year, it's 2021. Uh, there were obviously no fans last year. 
And I think people are going to want to be a part of that experience. So, you know, it makes sense um, from a business perspective and just from a health perspective overall. Uh, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. Like, it may not feel like it because of things that things are mostly back to normal. But at the end of the day, that's where we still are. And uh, and and the Raiders are the first. Uh, I what I've expected many NFL teams to do this um, because I, again, I think it's gonna it's gonna lead to the best possible uh, experience for fans that do show up. And um, and it's ultimately, I, I believe, what's what's the healthiest and safest route and most effective route to go uh, given the given where the pandemic's at. So we'll see the the trickle down effect. How you know on the rest of the teams, not only here in town. Uh, but around the NFL, I'm curious to see how that plays out. But uh, but the Raiders are the first, and, and uh, you know, monumental decision in a lot of ways. Sam, it's amazing to me how far we've come in just a year's time in talking about the Raiders because through the beginning of the 2020 season, all we did was drag the Raiders over how they dealt with COVID and all the violations <laughs> yeah. and all the fines and the Darren Waller event and on and on and on. And now they're here at the, at the forefront. They're the one like taking the flag and running and charging out in front of everybody in terms of uh, vaccination and protecting public health. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Very, very ironic, right? Just kind of the, 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 the flip in the approach. But I think, you know, I think it was a bad, uh, a bad look for the Raiders in a lot of ways last year. Definitely not the greatest, you know, PR and in, in having to deal with that and getting constantly dinged with fines and, you know, the news stories of this and that and, you know, not having masks at the, at the foundation event and, you know, John Gruden getting fined and all that. It wasn't the best look. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, um, it affected the team on the field too. I mean, you had key players missing games uh, at key times throughout the course of the season, missing practices and just not how you want to go about the uh, about the season. So, uh, you know, it makes it makes sense that they, they've kind of reversed course here. Um, you know, good on Mark Davis for, for, for doing what he feels is going to be best, um, not only for his franchise, but for the fans and people who want to take part in what's going to be the first real year of, uh, of Raider football here in Las Vegas for the town gets to participate. But, but yeah, it, it is interesting because this is a team that was, you know, the, one of the worst in the league last year at, at handling this whole situation. You, obviously, they learned – from, from what happened last year, are applying it to this year and want a, want a better outcome um, this season with the pandemic still surging. Sam, you mentioned that there's been uh, some outcry on Twitter about this. Do you think that ends up affecting attendance at all? Like, do you think there are enough people that are upset with the Raiders doing this that they won't have sellout games this year at Allegiant Stadium? I don't think so, no, because for, for any fan that, you know, is, is upset and wants to protest and, you know, sell their tickets, somebody's going to want to we'll, 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 we'll jump, jump on and be a part of uh, this experience. I mean, this is the Raiders. It's the first year here. Uh, there's too much excitement. There's too much buzz. And, and, you know, people that aren't vaccinated and don't want to go to the games, I mean, they're not just going to sit on that on those tickets and lose out on possibly thousands of dollars, right? I mean, that, that's impractical. So I think at the end of the day, yeah, you, you might have some upset fans. You might have people that don't want to be a part of this, but um, there's there's a couple million people in this town, and, and there's going to be a way to put 65,000 uh, people in that stadium, uh, regardless of what the rules are, I think. Um, so while there may be some backlash now, I don't think it's going to affect anything uh, during the season because people in this town have been waiting an awfully long time to attend uh, meaningful NFL games, and, and they're going to have that opportunity coming up here in a few weeks. And uh, also, guys, just announced here in the last half hour, CES, which is one of the largest conventions that comes to Las Vegas every year. They're coming in January of 2022. They just announced the same thing, that they're going to be requiring proof of vaccination to attend that. So another huge gathering of people that uh, is going that direction. All right. So on the field, Sam, uh, what did we learn out of the preseason game uh, that has now uh, been taken into this week uh, of practice as the Raiders get started again. 
Yeah, I think we, you know, it's, it's hard to take away much. I mean, obviously the starters, a lot of the ones didn't play and the ones that did play, um, you know, didn't necessarily get a lot of, a lot of burn for, for understandable reasons. But I think what we learned based on uh, how, the, how they performed on Saturday is this team has a little bit more depth than it did last year. It has a little bit more competition uh, for certain key positions. I think the fact that you're able to hold the Seattle team, obviously also playing backups to seven points, shows that there's been some kind of progress on the defensive side of the ball. Now, we don't want it to – again, I want to be very, very clear. We're not we, – we don't want to de- uh, dig too deep into this. It, it, it is just the preseason, but I think you saw good performances from a number of guys, Nate Hobbs being one of them, the fifth-round pick, rookie corner, who I think is a, a viable uh, option at, at nickel corner. I thought he was impressive. He looked like he was fast, like, like he knew what he was doing, confident out there. Um, you had a number of other players making key contributions. I thought the young offensive linemen – uh, Alex Leatherwood, Andre James uh, performed well, especially on that first drive. You, anytime you have a 14-play drive where you, you drive the length of the field and score a touchdown, that's the kind of drive you want uh, as a coach, as a team. That's a, the, the, the classic drive, and uh, those guys were, were a part of that, um, getting their first NFL reps and their first NFL experience. So um, it's it, it, it kind of built on what we've seen so far in camp, that there's more depth on the defensive line, there's more depth on the defensive backfield. Uh, and, and that there's going to be more competition for these spots overall. Um, we, we know this is one of the worst defensive teams in the league last year. Obviously, they addressed those needs uh, in the offseason by, by, by going out there and, and adding um, key players on the defensive line, on the defensive backfield, and uh, I think that's, you know, that's where, where any conversation about this team has to start and end on the defensive side of the ball, and, and all things considered, I thought that defense played well. Uh, offense did what we were supposed to do. I mean, Nate Peterman was Nate Peterman. He played, played reasonably well. For the third-string quarterback, and um, I think all things considered, the Raiders are in a, a good spot um, relative uh, to, to, to where they're at at this point in the preseason. Uh, do you think we'll see Darren Waller play in a preseason game? Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't think so. And what, what, what's the point? Uh, I mean, this is one of the best players in the NFL. We, we know that. We understand that. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, if there's anything uh, anything to even worry about, it, it just makes too much sense to, to – to keep him out, he doesn't. He knows what he can do. We, we know what he can do. Uh, the, the Raiders don't need to see anything from him. What's most important is that he's, he's available uh, for all 17 regular season games this year. I don't. I don't think there's any benefit to him playing in the preseason. So if he doesn't play in the preseason, then uh, who else do you think uh, gets limited run? I mean, we realize for Darren Waller, you don't need to see him, but we saw that Henry Ruggs. Brian Edwards didn't get into that first game. And I think uh, Tyler and I at least were surprised that those guys with only two more preseason games didn't even suit up uh, for this one. So uh, do you think there's anyone else who's going to get a seriously limited run other than Derek Carr? Uh, maybe the running backs, Josh Jacobs. I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to put him out there. Uh, I mean, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons from him, too. There's an understanding, I think of what he can do. So you, you wouldn't necessarily want to put any wear and tear on him. And then maybe some of the veteran offensive linemen, right, like a Richie Incognito or a Denzel Good. I, I mean, how much are they going to really stand to benefit from being out there uh, at this stage in the preseason? But to your point, I was a little surprised, too. You think maybe you'd want to at least see your young receivers out there for a drive, just kind of see what they're looking like. Uh, maybe we'll see them in the next couple of games. Maybe not. But I would expect them at least to get some kind of some kind of reps uh, at some point, but some of the veterans or some of the, the guys at positions that require a little bit more wear and tear, like the ones I mentioned, I, I don't think we, there's any need um, to see them. And I think what we're seeing across the league is, is kind of the trend of, of resting uh, veterans or, or key players during the preseason. Um, you know, what's the benefit? I think at the end of the day, uh, the, only, the only thing that can happen really is that 
those guys are going to get hurt or, or tweak something. Uh, if, if you know what they bring to the table, you know what they can do, um, and you're you know, a veteran or a productive player to a certain point, uh, how much can you really stand to benefit from these reps against you know, possibly second and third teamers? So uh, I, I'm a fan of the way the, the approach in the preseason has changed overall, and, and again, wouldn't, wouldn't expect um, any of the, the real heavy hitters for the Raiders to have any kind of big workload um, in the preseason. Sam also covers the Aces for the Review Journal. What's your bigger takeaway from their first game back after the Olympic break, that they were down by 21 points to the Washington Mystics or that they came back to win that game? Um, definitely the latter, that they came back to win that game. I, I think what we saw in the second half, I mean, this, this is a team, Tyler, as you know, they've been the number one offensive rated team all year and for the most of the season, um, the number one defensive rated team as well. And when they, when they really, really put the pedal to the metal in the second half, even a, a good offensive team like the Washington Mystics struggled to score. The, the Aces were able to string together a number of stops, and, and then offensively they just have so many answers and so many weapons that even when they're not playing well, there's a number of, of players they can turn to. Uh, you, you string together a couple stops, and, and all of a sudden they're right back in the game. So um, I, I was impressed because they really haven't been in that situation many times this year. Well, obviously that's the biggest uh, fourth quarter comeback in franchise history, but this is a team uh, that that with all their talent hasn't been hasn't trailed by double digits hardly at all. And the fact that they were in that situation against a veteran team, well coached team with a championship pedigree, and were able to come back pretty much in a quarter and a half, um, I, I think kind of shows the upside. And and I think there's uh, you know it's, it's still going to take some time. You having to bring everybody back after the Olympic break, kind of re ingratiate everybody and rediscover the chemistry. But for their first game back. Uh, the fact that they were able to come back like that, again, against the veteran squad with championship DNA, uh, I, was, I was super impressed. I did not necessarily expect that the way they started the first half, but um, when, when, they, when they're playing defense like that, uh, they're, they're, they are really, really, really tough um, to beat and are really tough to score against, too. Well, he is Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. Sam, enjoy the rest of Raiders practice this morning. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Take care. Happy Tuesday. So there is Sam Gordon. Uh, one update from Raiders practice. Multiple reporters have stated that Darren Waller is back at practice for the Raiders. Uh, he has not done anything in training camp. Do you think we'll actually find out what was wrong with him? The NFL doesn't technically have to do like injury reports in training camp. Do you think they'll go the Golden Knights route and just not give any info on where why Darren Waller was out? At least the Golden Knights would probably give us upper body or lower body. I don't even <laughs> know if we're getting that much. There, were, I mean, I think it was Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. He reported that it was an ankle injury, but I just saw Vic Tafer earlier this morning say that he was told the ankle injury was incorrect, that that's not the reason Darren Waller hadn't participated in anything yet at training camp. So oh, it'll be curious. I think John Gruden's supposed to talk today, so it'll be curious to see if they actually give any sort of update on if Darren Waller can play or not. All right, coming to Allegiant Stadium, it's Guns N' Roses on Friday, August 27th. Make sure you're listening to the press box, Cofield and company throughout the week because we have tickets to go see that. So Guns N' Roses, they're coming to Allegiant Stadium on August 27th, and we will have tickets for you right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Being a physical quarterback is one thing. Being a physical tight end and playing in the trenches and having to block and move people uh, is something that's much more difficult. And he's just not shown a propensity to do that during training camp. He hasn't never done it in his entire life. He was the only tight end that did not have any reps on special teams in the first preseason game. I think that's very telling. You have a chance to be on the radio with Clay Baker over on Raider Nation Radio. This is the last week. You can enter at lvsportsnetwork.com. Find the Star is Born graphic. Click on that. And you'll be able to upload a one-minute file 
And then those some of those will be played on air. There will be voting that opens up starting next week. And we will eventually vote on who will get to be on air with Clay Baker and the morning tailgate over on Raider Nation Radio. So make sure you get those in lvsportsnetwork.com uh, this week if you'd like to try to steal Clay Baker's job from him. Uh, why are you showing me your hand, Jared? Oh, you weren't showing it to me. You were just randomly flexing and stretching your burnt hand. Yes. That, okay. That, glad we drew attention to it. You just held it up like you wanted me to see it, but I, I realized you were just stretching. Are, you, are your fingers okay? It's actually the tape that's around uh, the hand that's actually bothering it right now. The actual burn <laughs> is fine. Jared burnt his hand uh, by dropping a boiling pot of water on himself. Um which is impressive, and he's still, I'm glad you have something over it, not just walking around with an open flesh wound for everybody to see. Uh, but, oh, it's actually healing. You want to see it? it? No, not at all. No chance. Uh, but, Lionel Messi is signed with PSG, and there's an interesting detail. He is going to pay $41 million uh, per year. That's his two-year uh, contract there with PSG. But part of that is going to be paid in cryptocurrency. Part of it's going to be paid in the PSG fan token which uh there's a website called socios that is partnered with a bunch of teams to create fan tokens a form of cryptocurrency and so Lionel messi part of his contract part of his salary with psg is this cryptocurrency and i love it because i actually own cryptocurrency of a fan token of arsenal although he doesn't play for arsenal it doesn't help me I find this to be the greatest thing PSG has done when signing Lionel Messi is, hey, we'll pay you some in this cryptocurrency we just invented as they, well. They also signed Lionel Messi. Yeah, the best thing they've done since signing him is this is how they're going to pay him. It's great. So you're going to buy a fan token, Adam? No. Why I'm, not? I'm absolutely not going to buy a fan token. I am also going to steadfastly, staunchly continue to learn and understand nothing about cryptocurrency. Oh. <sighs> your own fault it's, it's actually probably a pretty solid move no it's a terrible decision it, it, what it is is it's an island of safety because there are many people i know in my life who are talking about crypto who are trying to make money off crypto cool uh, uh, more power to you um I, I just i know i will lose money one way or the other guaranteed like i just know myself i know my my lack of financial acumen like i'm going to somehow even put a toe into this water and lose like a thousand dollars and wonder what the hell I was doing. But you, it's fairly you cheap to lose. buy a fan token. Yeah, you just buy some fake horses. It's fairly cheap to own a to own a fake horse. Your right? Arsenal fan tokens were what, like five dollars a piece? Uh, si- uh, it was six pounds. So whatever, I'd have to go check and see what that. Oh, so more than yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like uh, seven or eight uh, bucks. Right. You, you okay? All right. So okay. Yeah. Uh, if if I can consider myself young and part of the crowd by spending six pounds sure you got me yes see there you go you should do it he's all in you can vote on things like i listen i voted on what song should be played after arsenal wins at emirates stadium even though they might not win very much this year i got to vote on that i still haven't seen the final results of that this is a long poll but yeah i get to i get to impact the team adam who is the first person in your life who brought you into the cryptocurrency world uh, that's a good question. An email from Arsenal about buying a fan token? No, because didn't you have your fake horses before that? Yes. Isn't that fake money, essentially? Yes, we had, yeah. Well, I, I actually had seen the email about fan tokens before I got into the fake horses, but I, you, couldn't oh, okay. buy, you couldn't buy the fan yes. tokens until 
recently. He, need, he needed to raise capital in order yes. to buy had, the I, fan I, yes, tokens. Yes, exactly. So he I had, had to, to raise get capital. fake horses in order to get the money to buy fan tokens. Listen, I how can, does Lionel Messi benefit from being paid in crypto? Yeah, I don't so that's know. What I, don't I, I was a little confused about why Messi would agree to it. I I don't have any idea. Like, I mean, you're. Even, like even is the this, idea that the tokens will become worth more over time, and so his salary will be worth more? I guess. Like, the, the, the PSG fan token has increased in value since they signed Lionel Messi. Um, so, technically, yes, depending on when they actually give him this cryptocurrency. Because, like, let's see here. I can pull this up for you. Uh, it, yeah, while you're while you're pulling it up, it's essentially <laughs> it's essentially being paid in a stock option, right? Yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. I mean, so back on what is this? March in March, the PSG fan token was worth thirty-seven dollars. Today, it's worth ninety-four dollars. Or so, or in theory, euros, whatever portion. So, so whatever portion of his salary he was paid in cryptocurrency for the moment is worth. 1.5x right or two you know or yeah. 2.5x yeah so conceivably wow. he could uh, make more yeah shut up Adam. J- jared, jared jared wants this jared <laughs> wants this segment over with fast as a quick uh, oh, addition man. to this how am uh, i this bad at this job and i've been doing it for this long a honus wagner baseball card sold for 6.6 million dollars and that is something you can physically touch so it's i guess better than an nft why do people pay that much for baseball cards? They're rare. Oh, this is a like I'm more mystified by the return of baseball cards than I am by crypto- cryptocurrency. Really, you are? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I was a baseball card collector growing <laughs> up, but I think I think you should rename one of your fake horses Honus Nagner, and he'll be worth six point six million dollars. Oh, that's a, there are a lot of good puns. One of my favorite is Harry Trotter. I like Harry Trotter. <laughs> That's a good one. Harry um, Trotter. Oh, there was a soccer one that was Neymar, but it was N E I G H. Neymar. 